please say hello. It's hello at craft. Ah, we're going to record this later because. No, I think you should go with that. Yeah, Twitter placeholder, uh, call. Here's Michael's <laughs> phone number. <laughs> For the Craft Podcast, I'm Michael Rogg. And I'm Leslie Camacho. The Craft Podcast serves the community of developers, designers, business people, content creators, and everybody else who is using the Craft Content Management System to build awesome products and experiences on the web. With this podcast, we are aiming to give a voice to the Craft CMS community to bring you relevant news, to answer questions about craft and help develop skills, and in general just to celebrate all the awesome stuff everybody is building with craft in our tool belt. Welcome back to episode two of the Craft Podcast. Today, we are extremely privileged to have snagged for an interview the very creator of craft and the head of Pixel and Tonic, the one and only Mr. Brandon Kelly. Brandon, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So, uh, you've been busy lately. Um, yes. Just dropping a Craft 2.4 update shortly after the Craft 3 developer preview. You got Craft Commerce in the oven. So, lots going on at Pixel and Tonic, um, which is a team that has grown significantly um, very quickly from just you to you and Brad to you and Brad and Andres. And now you're six people at Pixel and Tonic. We are seven now. Seven. So, so who's doing what nowadays? So, Brad is doing lots of infrastructure stuff. So he deals with uh, cutting releases. He does, you know, all of the backend uh, web server code. He does a lot of the maintenance on craft, uh, existing craft features, stuff like that. Uh, he's also in charge of support and he does a lot of help with documentation. He's just kind of handed basically everything. And then Andrus is mostly working on asset-related functionality in Craft, and then he's also got a pretty big hand in uh, our expression engine add-on business as well. Uh, and then in, uh, in January, well, late December, we hired uh, Benjamin David, who is a pretty prominent plugin developer for Craft. He's got analytics and uh, OAuth and Twitter and videos and lots of other really cool stuff that he's released for Craft. And, uh, and I've always just been really impressed with his plugins. Uh, the UI is really, really nice on, on all this work. And just, you know, in general, he's a great guy. And so we hired him to kind of take over some of the UI-related stuff that I've been doing because he's better at it than me and, and, uh, and has some really interesting ideas. Uh, I think of all the people that have been doing plugins for Craft, he's the one that's done the best job of kind of pushing things forward from a plugin perspective. So uh, he's kind of helping out with UI-related stuff, and he's doing some stuff for Craft 3, as well as uh, some, some maintenance uh, UI updates for Craft2.x. And then about two months ago now-ish, we hired two new community liaison people uh, who are Aaron and Yarun or Yarun, something like that. And so they're doing, they're kind of helping out with support and they're, they're planning some new customer facing stuff like, uh, like better tutorials and things like that. And then just, just last 
end of June or mid June, we, uh, or I'm sorry, not June, uh, April, we announced that we were hiring Luke, Luke Holder and he's bringing his, his commerce plugin along and that's now a pixel and tonic property. Uh, so he's basically continuing to work on that, but under a pixel and tonic employment and we're kind of helping out with that as well and doing what we can to offer advice and suggestions and help out with, with random aspects of that. So that's the current lineup. Uh, and then as far as me, you know, I'm just kind of doing my best to oversee everything and then also doing a lot of the new new product development for Craft3 and, you know, with Brad helping with that as well and Andrews, of course, too. Did you ever see yourself as uh, the CEO of a seven-person company? <laughs> um, sort of. Like, I don't know. When I was, when I was in high school, I guess I kind of had uh, this idea that one day I was either going to have a, my own business or I was going to be a teacher. And I found out pretty quickly that I'm a horrible teacher, so uh, <laughs> that, left, that left owning a business. But I still like the whole thing kind of fell into place. Like I, I didn't set out to create a business. I, I had these, you know, expression engine add-ons that I was selling on the side. Didn't expect anything to come of those. But then one day I realized that, you know, I was making enough on the side to, uh, to try starting my own business based off them, and uh, everything kind of grew from there. So it kind of just, kind of just worked out. And. So, I mean, it seems to be humming along. What is kind of most exciting you on a on a daily basis? Oh, I honestly, like, just the whole sum of it right now, it's just, I'm on uh, cloud nine, I guess is the phrase, uh, just thinking about uh, all the different projects that are going on right now. Uh, and I guess I'm, I'm kind of enjoying the whole overseeing of all of that stuff more than I expected. I always kind of expected I would always want to be, you know, in the code all day long. And I still definitely enjoy that. But I'm finding that, you know, just kind of strategizing and and uh, working with people and, and trying, to, trying to help multiple things move along uh, is actually more fun than I would have expected it to be. But, yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm super excited about commerce. I'm super excited about Craft3. Uh, there's just a lot going on that's, you know, to look forward to at this point. I think you were telling me the, the other day that you just hit the two-year mark with from the Craft 1.0 release. That's correct. Yesterday was the official two-year anniversary from Craft 1.0's launch. And Happy birthday. It, and for those of you listening, that would be June 4th. Correct. Yeah, yeah, time delays with podcasts and all that good stuff. And yes, a very big uh, congratulations on that. That that's, uh, You've made it through some really – I won't say you've made it through the hard parts yet, but yeah, a really hard part of just getting started, being profitable, getting to seven employees. So my question for you is what have you had to work on from the – from from a personal standpoint as the owner, uh, it, like Raj was saying, did you ever met Raj? It's, it's your Slack <laughs> handle, man. It's actually Rose. <laughs> Rog. Uh, like, like Michael was saying, <laughs> uh, you found yourself doing these other things. It, have you found yourself having to really focus on uh, some new aspect uh, of either your personality or your skill set to make this work so far? I've had to. Um, that's a good question. I'm sure. I'm sure I have. <laughs> a lot of you know. I guess 
a lot of it's been surprisingly natural for me. So I haven't had to focus too much on personal development. There's been there's been times, especially early on, where uh, there was a lot of late nights, a lot of weekend works, and that and that was out of necessity. We just you know we needed to make payroll. We needed to keep a, pot, a healthy cash flow in the company, and and there was a lot of there was a lot of time early on where we were in debt all over the place, and you know not really sure if we were gonna. If we were going to make it, we were hoping we were. The signs were pointing in the right direction, but we were running out of uh, out of cash quickly, and and uh, so there was definitely there was definitely some some personal growth in terms of just like learning how to be more responsible and make more responsible financial decisions and things like that early on. Uh, but frankly, part of that was kind of expected, anyways. We you know the biggest reason against doing our own CMS was we realized we'd be we'd be uh, biting the hand that feeds us, so to speak. Uh, we were currently 100% uh, dependent on revenue from the Expression Engine ecosystem, and creating our own CMS was going to be com directly competing with that. That was most likely going to piss off Ellis Lab, and it was most likely going to piss off a large number of our customers that felt like they were just funding some competing CMS that they didn't have any interest in, and we had to really do a good job of making a case as to why this was in their best interest at least, at least, uh, you know, worth worth considering and worth worth uh, continuing to do business with us. So, anyways, earlier early on in the process, uh, especially once, especially around the time 1.0 came out, times were pretty tough. We had to kind of do do a lot of consulting work just to just to make payroll. Uh, and I think in that time, I I guess I I learned a lot about. Um, what it's like to be in that situation where you're not sure how much longer you're going to be afloat and kind of got a taste for, I guess, I guess the darker side of client services, if you will, uh, <laughs> yes. without actually becoming a client services predominant com company, um, which, which I guess has led to giving me this level of empathy for our customers that I just didn't have before that I've never had to deal with. So, you know, like for example, at Piers, Hearing Chad Crowell talk about the dark times that uh, that they've had with Clearfire totally resonated with me, even though it's a different business. You know, I've been there. I know what it's like. You know, for that to affect your personal life and just you know just totally change your outlook on life at the time when you're in the thick of it. Um, so, anyways, uh, there was definitely some growth at that point. But beyond that, as far as political uh, growth, not I feel like you know I've still got some some stuff to learn there still still trying to figure out how do I how do I interact with you know these six different personality types now and all of that's so new for me like I know I know how to work with Anders and Brad really well but I'm still you know still getting to know Ben I'm still getting to know all the new guys so you know in a few months hopefully I'll feel a little bit more confident about how to work out with that how to work with them so well, it, it, let me just say congratulations at a very personal level. You know, I remember when you told me about Kraft uh, the first time that I had I have a very insider view into this, uh, you know, with my history at Ellis Lab and knowing you for years. And so the congratulations on two years is very heartfelt. And just let me say uh, that the case for Kraft is compelling. Uh, and I, I think... Um, as awkward as it may be to say for me that, yeah, I mean, I'm here doing the craft podcast, talking to you about it. Uh, and, and that in itself 
says a lot about the, the, the value of it. I think that one of the things I've really admired uh, about Pixel and Tonic and what you've done with it is that you have stayed doing client services. And regardless of whether that was out of necessity or something else, what you said about having that empathy for the agencies and the freelancers using your product, I think that's actually been really critical in, in enduring the loyalty that the craft community has to the product, to the company, and to itself. Uh, I just love it. That's, been, that's always been something that's drawn to me uh, about the work that you guys have always done. As a follow-up to that, one of the things I'm really curious about is what has been the biggest surprise for you, whether that's on the technical side or the community side or the business side. I mean, it's been two years. Is there any particular moment that really stands out to you as like, oh, wow, I did not expect that? Either good or bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess the uh, the bad surprise was finding out how detrimental the announcement was going to be to our former business sales. Uh, mm. So that was... That was the big one. I mean, when we when we came out with it, there was just this very noticeable nosedive in the sales initially, uh, and it kind of flattened out after a certain point. But that was that was a shock. So so a lot of estimates that we were making in terms of how much longer we could float uh, based on you know the current sales uh, decline rate, which there was there was some decline before the announcement, but we had to throw all of those numbers out. That was. Uh, what we expected was going to be about nine months of float time turned out to be about two. Uh, so we had to really wake up and change things quickly. So that was that was the big negative surprise. And then also financially, I guess, uh, the big positive surprise was just how incredible the uh, the price change, when we did a price change for 2.0, how incredible of an effect that had on the profitability of craft. Before that, we were, we were um, in Craft 1.x, we were charging basically for these packages of functionality. So everyone kind of started off with this free platform and if you wanted user management, you had to pay for that. If you wanted additional entry publishing features, you could pay for that separately. Uh, you could separately pay for the ability to talk to Amazon S3 and things like that. And separately you could talk, you could uh, pay for the ability to translate your content, and, you know, tap into all the localization features. So we had all these different these different packages and we were charging for each one separately and we got a lot of feedback you know that that it was just too complicated that people wanted more sensible pricing i guess more more um, predictable pricing they wanted they wanted to know that each project was going to cost x dollars uh, and just be able to kind of factor that in and so we tried something when we released 2.0 we we cleaned that up a little bit and instead of having these five separate packages we just had three versions. We have the free version, the uh, client version, which is which is uh, basically the free version, but but more tailored for people that are doing client work. Uh, and then we have the pro version, which just has all the features. Um, and the effect of that was really dramatic. Uh, we, I, I think we basically doubled sales overnight without actually increasing user base. Uh, doubled doubled the revenue overnight. I should say, not the not the sales. So that was that was a really welcome surprise. Uh, we were we had already reached a point where we were profitable and we were happy with the growth rate, but uh, we just figured after all this feedback that we should give it a shot and uh, and had no idea just just how just how uh, big of an impact price, your pricing model can be. Yes, can have on your business. Yeah. What, so. what it, 
one of the pitfalls that I see quite often in, in the consulting work is the sales go up, but the margins go down. And so suddenly you have so much cash moving through the business, but none of it's staying in the bank account. Uh, and and it, I, I'm, it's really good to hear that you're experiencing the opposite. And I'm sure yeah. the community is also really glad to hear that because it's going to let you do other things, right? Uh, it's going to let you do more than sure. just build the software. It's going to let you devote more time to the relationships and everything else that goes about it. So that has me really excited. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, and that's exactly why we've been able to afford to grow the business beyond just Brad Anderson and I. Uh, it's thanks to, thanks to that additional revenue. So, you know, that's, that's why we're able to have more than just here's the next version of craft that's in the pipeline. You know, now we've got, you know, a 2.x branch that's active in development. We've got the 3.0 release that's in active development and we've got commerce, which is in active development. So now we have these three projects simultaneously happening with different people focused on different things. You know, it's all thanks to this additional revenue that we've got to work with now. So speaking of Craft 3, uh, you dropped the the Craft 3 preview just uh, a little bit ago. And how have people been responding to Craft 3? There's a very positive reaction so far that we've seen. Uh, people are really, really excited about the, uh, the performance improvements. Basically, everyone that's installed it has commented about how much faster it feels, which is good because that's basically the one goal we had as far as feature-wise so far was we wanted it to be faster. Uh, and uh, there's been a lot of refactoring work that's gone into that. Plus, plus just running on E2 helps a little bit as well. E2 in general appears to be uh, slightly faster than E1 was and, and gives us some tools to make things a little bit faster as well. So that's good. Um, there's a lot of excitement about it. Um, there's a lot of plugin developers that are kind of getting an early start to playing around with the new APIs and trying to port their plugins. Um, yeah. I, I know that I have been digging in and looking at porting my plugins um, and, and loving it every step. I mean, Yi2 is, um, is just really a fantastic framework to be working with. Um, it's I, amazing. I find it's, that, that it just inspires me, just being in that code base inspires me to write cleaner, more elegant more fun code. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, you can't, you can't screw around the fact that, you know, the code, the code base, the framework that you're developing for has a major influence on the code that you're going to write. You know, we, we modeled much of Craft's architecture based on the architecture of E1 when we wrote that. And a lot of the refactoring that we've done for, for Craft 3, uh, is in, is heavily inspired by the refactoring that went into to E2, and it's craft is a better product for it for sure. Another question that I get a lot uh, when people are talking with me about Craft Three, um, especially plugin developers, is um, everybody loves the class reference for you know the the framework documentation. Mm -hmm. um, what plans do you have for documenting? front-end components, especially like the Garnish JavaScript framework that you've built, um, but other kind of control panel components for people to use in their plugins? It's all on the to-do list, <laughs> and none of it really has a specific date or release in mind at this point. Um, 
garnish is kind of a separate thing. Like the the goal for garnish has always been that we would we would cut that off as a separate thing and release that and maybe even open source it. Um, but the problem is it's just it hasn't been full you know documented at all at this point. Uh, besides maybe a couple sentences at the top of each class, and it's uh, I'm not sure. I haven't. I haven't had time to look through it under a microscope and make sure that everything is as consistent as I would want it to be um, and make sure that it's very clear for third parties that are going to get into contributing for it. You know, here's the way that you would do this kind of thing versus that kind of thing. There's, there's, it's been developed over several years and has undergone like several different phases of, of uh, coding styles and coding practices that we've been adopting. And I think before we get to the point of saying, okay, it's open source now, or, you know, okay, well, here it's all laid out. I, I don't know. I, just, I feel like, like I just need to go through and make sure things are more consistent from class to class. Um, it's on the list again. It's just, you know, is, is that worth delaying the 3.0 release? I don't know. You know, that's, that's the problem with Garnish. Um, but yeah, I, I at think, the same time, I think you know. I think maybe maybe a better answer is just we just need to we just need to go ahead, and, you know, get it out there. Let other people perhaps take a look and, and establish what the patterns are and start helping with that part of it. If we're just if we're not going to have time to do it ourselves, well, uh, in a sense, then. it is out there, right? Because I mean, we're using it, and as much as we can be, you know, just imitating the way Craft does yeah. stuff um, to create UI for our plugins, and that actually. You know, goes a long way um, because it's you know generally well written and it's pretty intuitive to take a chunk of Craft's control panel and sort of imitate it um, for yeah. plugin UI. But I'm glad to know that that's on your to-do list. I think a lot of developers would appreciate having the same sort of you know, component framework for the front end that we uh, have Craft providing us on the back end. Speaking of plugin development. Um, Give some shout-outs to folks in the community who are building cool stuff. Who who is uh, building cool plugins and cool sites um, that that you've noticed that uh, we should be looking at? Um, well, I want to. I definitely would want to mention Barrel Strength Design. Uh, they recently launched. I'd say the first uh, the first truly you know enterprise level plugins and a business plan that goes along with that and uh, just in general like the full like really full featured plugins they just released um, a forum plugin and an SEO plugin and an email plugin uh, and I believe they've got a suite that kind of combines all three if you want all of them but the really cool thing about them is, is they've they've put a lot of thought into the business model behind these plugins. Uh, they've seen uh, similar plugins in other ecosystems where developers have put a lot of energy into something, released it, and then gone missing in action. And Barrel Strength has, has come out the gate with solid expectations. They basically say, look, here's the price, and for that price, we're gonna give you one year of support and updates. Uh, and if you want more than that, then you can renew after a year, which to me seems like a much more sensible and much more sustainable business model than uh, than the simple you know one price for for an eternity of updates and support. 
uh, and customers, I think, are going to get a much better support experience. And, uh, you know, in addition to that, you know, customers have a much uh, stronger confidence in the fact that this plugin is going to be around three years from now, that the developer is going to still be there helping them out three years from now. Uh, five years from now, if they know that you know this, that the developer has chosen a sustainable, recurring revenue model for this for this product, um, so I definitely want to commend them. I think that's really exciting. Uh, it's exciting to see plugin developers for Craft really taking their pricing seriously and trying to set themselves up like that for for a uh, a long game business. Uh, in addition to that, you know, there's I mean, there's tons, there's tons of really cool plugins out there. Um, you know, there's lots of lots of cool UI things. Josh Angel has done some pretty cool stuff with his uh, button box plugin and, and some other stuff. Lindsay DiLoretto has done some really cool stuff, like his Maps plugin. And yeah, I mean, there's just there's tons of stuff. If you if you look at straightupcraft.com, I forget they've got like they've got like 300 plugins now, something like that. And that's that's a significant number. That's 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 at the point where expression engine was when devotee became a thing when when the Devo, when the expression engine community was dealing with so many plugins that they needed they needed a central location to to manage to to archive all of these things and you know that's that's about the time when pixel and tonic was starting to become a thing as well so it's kind of exciting to be to have that parallel yeah i just uh counted up the rows on the plugins page on startup craft and there's 268 plugins right now. That's incredible. That makes me so happy to see how quickly the community has created a robust ecosystem around this product. Yeah. And, and I would expect that to escalate quickly. Like you're at, it feels like in terms of the size of the community and the customer base, you're right on the inflection point of where there's going to be another spike in growth. And that will be uh, quickly followed by even more devs uh, coming in there. And that's what I, you know, uh, you don't actually know, but episode one, where it's actually an interview with Ben about the pricing model on there. And that's, oh, one, of the, uh, that's one of the things that I love that he did for the community because he set a different way to do it. And uh, hopefully as craft continues to grow, that'll be a really good thing for the developer community around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. I also look forward to watching that play out over the next few months. Lots of good things in store for this community. Um, and actually, that feels like a good spot to wrap up this interview on a nice positive note. Lots of good things afoot. Uh, but Brandon, I have one more closing question for you. Um, very importantly, what is your go-to cocktail right now? <laughs> oh, well, the go-to is always going to be a gin and tonic. Uh, five of seven nights of the week, I'll have a gin and tonic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's just there's just no escaping that. Uh, not a I'll, pixel I'll and say, tonic. No, those are horrible. Uh, <laughs> no, those that was that was made out of a uh, necessity to have a pixel and tonic drink for the sake of having a pixel and tonic drink. Um, for, for our listeners, a for for the listeners. Yeah, it is a uh, so we figured what is a pixel? It's uh, red, green, and blue. So, <laughs> so, uh, so RGB, and so um, let's see, it's uh, it's Red Bull gin and bitters and tonic. I believe is the 
the four ingredients in a, in a pixel and tonic drink. Uh, we've, we've served them once at an after party at an expression engine EECI conference. Uh, and uh, hey, you know what? It, it was a success. We were singing Queen and, uh, you know, all sorts of other ridiculous uh, 80s, 70s music at the top of our lungs until 7 a.m. in the morning powered by pixel and tonics. So if that's what you're in for, if that's the kind of party you're looking for, it works out really well. Um, but as a uh, every night kind of drink, it's probably a horrible, horrible decision. <laughs> um, I'll say that I'll say that if I'm if I'm gonna mix it up, if I'm gonna switch to something else, it will be either like a straight Jameson or Jameson and cranberry is pretty nice. Uh, I've also started mixing in some ginger ale, so Jameson and ginger ale, gin and ginger ale, those are all pretty good. Uh, but for the most part, it's, it's still just pixel and to- or, uh, gin and tonics for me. And and what gin? We need details, man. Uh, it's either going to be a uh, Tanquery number ten, or it's going to be a Hendrix. Mm, I've had yeah, that's Tang Ten is my go-to. Oh, Tanquery ten is amazing. It's uh, it's good stuff. That's that's both of the. And here's the thing: both of those gins are, are gins that like I will just drink by themselves if I don't have anything to go with it. Uh, they, you know, the Hendrix with its, you know, infused cucumbers, it's really refreshing. Uh, the Tanqueray number 10 is just, it's like a full body, it's like drinking, it's like the wine of gin to me. It's just, you know, you could drink that, it's just, there's so much flavor in that thing, so I really love it. Well, and with that, I think that there is no topic we haven't covered, no <laughs> stone left unturned. Brandon, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Absolutely. And congratulations again. Happy birthday, second birthday to Craft. And, uh, you know, we just can't wait to find out what comes next for you and for all of us with Craft. Oh, well, thank you very much. It's been, been fun. And thank you to you, our listeners, for tuning in to our second episode of the Craft Podcast. We hope that you will visit us online, craftpodcast.com, and especially sign up for our updates so that we can email you when we put out a new episode. We are really interested in hearing your ideas for the show. How can we help you better learn the technology and the business of craft? We want to know your questions and your ideas and your suggestions. So please get in touch with us. The email address is hello at craftpodcast.com. And we really look forward to hearing from you. But until then, I'm Michael Rogg. And I'm Leslie Camacho. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.